This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. everybody it's time for the model 3 owners club show i'm your host trevor page um you know this is the show where we talk everything about tesla model 3 maybe some other stuff thrown in for good measure but i have my usual guests on tonight i have uh, mr ian pavelko and eric camacho gentlemen how are you doing again this evening thanks for joining in Ball hello everybody guys we got so much stuff to talk about we're just gonna have to well you know what before we do that how are you guys been anyways yeah yeah come see come saw I'm feeling good. I mean, this, you know, uh, the fall season is madness in our place because we're dealing with the uh, the fall rush of all the winter product. And at the same time, we're developing all the new stuff for spring. So I'm um, just shy of having an aneurysm at this point. <laughs> it's, it's winding down, though. I think I'll survive. So, uh, yes, yes. You guys I'm, going I'm, to like any kind of shutdown or something for the holidays? You take some time, you know? Um, well, yeah, we're going to be actually closed for a week, short two days. We're going to be open the 27th, 28th, just on very limited operations. Um, I won't be there for that. I'm, I'm taking the whole 10 days. I'm going to slough off there, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, because of the way Christmas being on, uh, on the Tuesday and new year's being on the Tuesday, uh, the company is very generous. So they're going to give us basically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the first week. And then the Monday, Tuesday of the following week. That's awesome. Glad to hear that. Well, on that note, well, we've got some stuff to talk about in the show, so uh, let's get in. Um, I think the headline tonight is really uh, some really great news for Europe, because uh, when Model 3 opened up for uh, orders last week, um, people were like, I can't get the free supercharging? What's going on? Um, that ties into a little other subject we're going to talk about a little bit later. But no, as it turns out, indeed, you can um, get fr uh, six months of free supercharging when you order your Model 3. It's a little bit of a manual process at first. Um, Ryan McCaffrey, good friend here at the uh, Ride the Lightning podcast, had uh, sent me some information and uh, who came from a, uh, a viewer on Twitter. Uh, I think his name is Haas or whatever. I apologize. I don't have the link right now, but I'm going to show you what you need to do. So basically, if you want to claim your free, uh, your free six months of free supercharging, uh, when you order Model 3 in Europe, you have to send an email, and the email address is buildmy3emea, that's buildmy3emea at tesla.com. You have to put the referral in the subject line. In the body of your email, include your name and contact information, the reservation number, that's your RN number in your order, and the referral code you'd like to use. Ours is, uh, well, you have it here, but you're welcome to use any of the other ones that we have in our show description or show notes. So that's the process. And um, I'll tell you, I have been getting some responses from people and they say that it is indeed working over there. Someone else had built a website where you could go through the process, but apparently you have to log into your Tesla account. So some people are a little freaked out about that. But if you want to do it the long way, this is the process you have to do. So congratulations, everybody in Europe. Um, it's exciting. Everybody's um, ordering cars. And uh, yeah, it's really starting to go. Um, right. So that's that little bit. Um, the next little tidbit very quickly <clears throat> is... Um, we got a report here on uh, from Tesla Roddy. It says that Tesla is preparing to ship. Um, this is the report coming in at about 3,000 Model 3s per week in about February 2019. So that's when deliveries are supposed to start. So um, I would say, based on those numbers, 
based on what's going on in the U.S., that um, I think they're probably hitting 6,000 cars per week now. Because if they're sending half of their production, let's call it half their production to Europe, it's looking really good. What do you guys think on this? Well, I think that the pacing here in the U.S. is pretty close to getting to where uh, as orders are coming in, they'll be able to deliver the cars in short order, especially if you're looking to take delivery this year. Ahem, cough, cough, uh, U.S. owners. Uh, if you're looking to take delivery, uh, contact your local store. Trevor tweeted this out even today. Uh, contact your local store if you're looking to take delivery of your vehicles uh, before the end of the year. Uh, but that being said, I think most of the U.S. backlog is sort of caught up. So if that's the case, then orders may be processed very quickly, similar to how they are with the S and X orders for custom orders. And then we'll start seeing a lot of those vehicles uh, going over to Europe so they can get their orders processed in a timely fashion. It's important to remember <clears throat> that um, even if you didn't get an order in, you may still be able to buy a car in inventory, so to speak. It might have been a cancellation from someone else. So as Eric said, make sure that um, if you're interested in getting the $7,500 tax credit before the end of the year, you still have an opportunity to order a car, um, but call your local Tesla showroom and ask them what do they have in their geographical area that can be delivered very quickly. Matter of fact, Tesla even says it on their website right now because if you look at their website, and I'll bring it up here. Uh, let's just hear it. Just, just Model 3 is on the homepage now. Yes, Model 3 is yes, very much is. on the homepage. Here it is right here. Let me just get rid of that. Look at that. Front and center. It says $7,500 tax credit expires December 31st. Order now for 2018 delivery. So yeah, it's definitely happening. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for a car, that's the time to get it. <laughs> Call now. Sales advisors are standing by. Yes, exactly. Sounds like an infomercial. But uh, that's not our point here. We just want to make sure, uh, doing our part to make sure that everybody gets a chance to uh, to get in on this. I've definitely seen an increase in um, in orders uh, from a lot of people and getting lots of reports and stuff. People, you know, placing the orders. Um, not only that, but in Europe as well. So, yeah, it's looking good that way. Um the next little bit is kind of interesting because uh, we got our first pictures, and I think we talked about this, or someone else had mentioned it to me. What's going on with the superchargers in Europe, given that, of course, Model 3 has the, uh, the new CCS port, because that's what the European cars are going to come with. And we just got our first pictures um, from Europe, and I think it was in the Netherlands, um, of the CCS port. And I'll put up some pictures here. I apologize for those of you listening to this podcast. If you watch it on our YouTube channel, you'll be able to see these pictures. So um, he sent along these pictures. And basically what they've done is that they've retrofitted uh, some of these superchargers with a second CCS cable. It uh, looks like they've changed the holster a little bit. And uh, of course, this is what the CCS port looks like. I apologize for the potato pictures, but this is what we got. And um, they are starting to deploy these. So there was some discussion, I think, uh, either through us privately or on the show as to what was going to happen, where they were going to retrofit them um, all with CCS port and eliminate the current cable and then just give everybody adapters. But that is not the case here. Um, got a subsequent report, too, and I don't have a picture of it here, but um, some of them were starting to be labeled a Model 3 priority. They're putting a sticker on the white part of the car or, uh, of the uh, supercharger, just I think just for indication that um, uh, for people with Model 3s to be able to charge there with a priority. So, um, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're retrofitting. So they're both going to have, um, you know, two types of cables on them. I don't know what's, uh, I mean, you know, some people have been asking, of course, what, what's going to happen for North America if they're going to switch to. Um, North America is a little different situation. Anything is possible with Tesla. But right now, for the time being, this is a Europe only thing. So I think that kind of answers um, kind of the question that people are asking, um, you know, what was going to happen. So that's actually starting now. So, um, yeah. 
they are they are preparing now. Um, hopefully, they'll be able to do this uh, as quickly as possible, so that uh, you know, there's minimum downtime for when those cars uh, start being delivered. But we're still talking, you know, two two and a half months, so they've got some time to to be able to do that. Um, right. Let's see here. What else we got? We're going to talk a little bit about the 60 minutes. And if you guys haven't seen it, I'll put a link in the uh, podcast in the video description. Uh, 60 Minutes did another piece with Tesla, interviewed Elon Musk at the factory. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I don't know. We were talking about this um, before the show started. Uh, you know, we each have s- somewhat of a different opinion as to whether this portrays things in a good light or a bad light. Um, I use the word uh, brutal, but I, I'm going to take that back. I don't think it's that bad. However, uh, Elon took to Twitter and said, no, you took things out of context. And um, I certainly sent a tweet to Elon and I said, basically paraphrasing here, because I don't remember what I said exactly, but something along the lines of enough's enough that, uh, you know, the media has burned you too many times. And I think, Elon, it's time for you to uh, tell your own story. Um, I think Tesla should, um, well, I'll let you guys hop in on this because uh, you guys certainly express your opinions about this. So... Hop in here, guys. What do you think Tesla should be doing about this? Well, I was going to say, if you want to go first, uh, Ian, go right ahead. Oh, well, um, when I watched it, my first reaction was, it was kind of what I expected. You know, 60 Minutes likes to be, well, anybody now in the media going after Tesla, it's like, we have to ask the hard questions and expose him for the wild man that he is in order to be credible journalists. There's this overtone of that in anything you see or read, I find, in the last year. Uh, just because of all the different dramas that have happened throughout the year. So I kind of get that. Um, I didn't feel it was too heavy handed, but in retrospect, when Elon started exposing, you know, the way it was edited and and how they'd cut out some of the statements. Yeah. It's like, Hmm, really? Like we had to go that far. And the one thing I'd brought up again, before we started the show was what was fascinating to me is if you go to the CBS website and go to the 60 minutes page, and you look at the print version of the transcript of the article, there's a few different clips. There's like bonus clips interspersed throughout the page that you can click on. Um, there's a really great one on the Gigafactory. Uh, I'm trying to f- remember the director of the Gigafactory. His name escapes me, but a terrific uh, interview with him that was very positive. Chris, Chris Lister, I think it is, something like that. It could be. Um, in oh, any case, no, you're talking about Jerome. Jerome, thank you. Yeah, That's Jerome. what I'm thinking yeah. of. So yes, terrific interview with him. Very nicely done. Uh, and then the real telling one was there's a retrospective piece where they showed clips of the 2008, uh, interview where there was, they were doing a whole feature on different EV startups. And of course, Tesla was one of them at the time. And it was Leslie Stahl actually, who did most of the work in it. And one of the producers is there sort of going back with the clips and talking about, you know, what a great guy Elon is and how different he was from anyone else they'd interviewed. And he was very transparent about the risks and, you know, what they were up against, uh, and I'm thinking, where was that take on all this in the main piece? You know, that's kind of what was missing. Um, and if you really want to, I think what I think is a fair assessment of the whole thing is go and look at the Clean Technic article that came out uh, not long afterwards, where uh, I think it was Zach that wrote it himself. And he sat down and he detailed like all the negative points versus all the positive points. And it was like a four to one ratio or something like that. What yeah. are you going to do? That's mainstream everything media has to coverage. Be, yeah, everything has to be put into context. And the problem with the media these days is that it's almost become entertainment. It's not about reporting anymore. A lot of the ways it's just like it's whatever agenda they want to push or, you know, whatever angle they want to do. And um, like I said, I think it's time that Tesla really 
tells their own story. Like get a documentary guy, like get Chris Payne. Um, you know, we're yes. well overdue for a sequel to Revenge of the Electric Car. We need Triumph Hell of the Electric yeah. Car, right? Um, yes. By the way, if you got if if you guys are listening or, or watching out there and you've never seen Chris Payne's uh, documentaries, um, Who Killed the Electric Car and the sequel Revenge of the Electric Car. Oh my God, you got to go watch these. They're so good. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that much like you know, there was that documentary on Apple and stuff that basically stopped in 1997, and they haven't looked at what's happened since then. So much has happened to Tesla since that documentary's happened that we're well overdue for some kind of sequel. But I think it's important that Tesla really needs to take the reins on this because the media has been burning Tesla way too much, and I think it's for time for them to tell their own story. Negative or positive, whichever way that you want to tell it, but... It, you know, the problem, of course, you're going to get some people and they're going to come and say, oh, it's, it's just propaganda. It's just internal for the company. I think Tesla's probably, uh, you know, maybe able to handle that even handedly somehow. Um, but yeah, I think it's high time. We need to really show what's going on. I, I was going to I was going to add to this. So here here are my thoughts really briefly. Uh, first, think about all the other auto manufacturers out there. How much coverage are they getting relative to Tesla? Whether it's collective, whether it's one to one, it's it's just very different. And really, you know, and this is something that I think a lot of people assim- associate with Tesla is it's Elon and Tesla. They don't really separate the two things. I think when you're talking about Tesla, you're talking about Elon. And you know, and I I understand uh, you know the mindset behind that. But the the one thing I think people tend to forget, he is just a person. And whatever, you know, whatever his genius is, whatever the sort of things that sort of are, are troubling him, you know, may be very different how he handles it versus anybody else. Now, you know, we're not therapists, we're not psychologists, we're not here to give any kind of take to, to say what he, you know, even assume for a second that he suffers from any kind of condition. That's, that's not what we're doing. Um, but I think there's so much pressure that he probably puts on himself. This is from the outside looking in. This is he seems to put a lot of pressure on himself to to do certain things, and he's not just running one company. I mean, we, sometimes we tend to forget that he's also running SpaceX and he's running Tesla and he's running the Boring Company, and you know he he's got a lot on his plate right now. And when you're trying to see a car company succeed, um, you know, and and he, you know, this is something we'll highlight. But like ten years ago, sixty minutes did a, a piece on Silicon Valley and electric cars, and the messaging he had at the time ten years ago is the same messaging he has today, which is to accelerate our our conversion to sustainable solutions. And um, yeah, I, I think you know, I understand what people's perspectives are of this piece. And yes, we could certainly do a, 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 a you know, Chris or somebody else can do a documentary that sort of gives a positive spin. But you're going to have people attacking that too. Like you, you're not going to win either way. Um, but I think I think you know, and, and we also don't know how much was actually edited out of the original uh, cut from from CBS to get it down to what was going to be essentially the airtime version of the segment. Um, but I, mean, I guess four I guess hours. In, yeah, but I mean, but like in in short, you know, it's it's hard to. I mean, I've done video editing. It's hard to take that much content and condense it down to just a matter oh, absolutely. of a 12, 14 segment. So, I mean, she probably spent the better part of a, of a couple days maybe uh, at the at the factory with like one day in the factory floor, one day doing the road testing. I mean, there's you know certainly a number of different things they did. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's, 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 it, it, there are certainly things that don't look great, but no matter what you put out there, you're going to have your detractors, your negative spins. You're going to, you're going to have it. Someone's going to go, Hey, that was a great article on Elon. Then someone's going to go, yeah, but it was, he said this, 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 like 
but he's just being genuine. He's being himself. And I, I think people read too much into the stuff because of the, the way we do news coverage nowadays. Yeah. Well, it's funny, though, because it also kind of ties in because I know before the show we were talking as to whether we were going to talk about this Wired article that, that came out today. But I figured, you know what, let's talk about it anyways. I think the timing is rather interesting. Um, basically, it's pretty a, a pretty scathing article on how how Elon runs the ship down there. Now, if you if you read this article, there's not a lot of stuff in there that's really new because if you have read Ashley Vance's um, biography on Elon – and it goes basically right from his child all the way up. Um, Elon has had a, tri- a, a troubled childhood. <clears throat> um, he's had family issues, especially with his dad and stuff. And um, he pushes really hard. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you if you compare him to, let's say, Steve Jobs, for example. Um, Steve was um, very much a, a person that was um, very forward thinking. He imposed his um, his design ethics on a lot of people or, or the ethos or whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, he was not a nice guy. If, you know, he, he, he did what he had to do to get what he wanted. Elon is largely the same way. Um, I think in some ways he might be a little bit nicer than Steve Jobs, but it certainly paints him in this uh, in this picture that you know he's just as bad as Steve Jobs was. You know, don't get in the elevator with him because you don't know whether you're going to have a job or not by the time you get to the floor you're at. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, nice guys don't finish, um, you know, first. <laughs> um, or is, no, that, is that no? Is that the right word to use? But anyways, um, people that change the world sometimes are not the nicest people. And I won't hold that against Elon, um, but I was thinking about, you know, kind of the article and what they were saying <clears throat> while I was making dinner tonight. And I thought, you know, is it, could he be nicer? Yeah, I guess. Um, does Would Tesla be the same way if he didn't push as hard? Absolutely not. Um, could Tesla back off a little bit from their, their projects, um, you know, and go a little slower? Sure. Um, would employees be happier? Probably, but let's face it. Um, at the end of the day, um, if I was to go work for the company, I wouldn't last three seconds. <laughs> um, no, in those kind I of capacities, tell that all the time, I feel right? Exactly the same way. So, you know, the thing is, is if you push a lot of people, you're going to get a lot of turnover. How much time are you going to have to retrain that replacement? Um, but there seems to be a never-ending lineup of people that want to work there, regardless, anyways, um, because they believe in the mission, wherever the case may be. So there has to be some kind of happy medium somewhere in the middle. Have we reached that happy medium? I don't think so. I think Tesla is, um, in a lot of ways, still a, a very new company. They are very much based in Silicon Valley. Everything that Tesla does would not fly in Detroit. It just would not exist. It just That mentality just does not exist. It wouldn't work. So they're very much a software company that happens to make cars and other products. So the way that they operate is very iterative. It's very quick. It's it's hard pushing. Um, you know, you need a list players at all times, and it's just the mentality. The problem is, of course, the media is focusing on say, you know, Tesla, Tesla. You know, they're, they're not operating like the other car companies. So let them. I mean, right? <laughs> who That's cares? The point. Um, so I don't know what to make of it. It's just like I said. I'll, I'll put a link into the vi- <clears throat> into the podcast and the um, in the video description if you want to read this article. But like I said, take it with a grain of salt because you, if you if you really want a good picture of what's going on, you should read Ashley Vance's biography on on Elon because Elon did participate in that book, um, mm-hmm. uh, and it really gives you a, a pretty good clear picture of what he's up to. He at the end of the day, the article really basically says Elon. 
doesn't care about the individual. He only cares about the mission and changing the world. He's very much about humanity. That's what he cares about. He does. He cares about humanity, not the individual. That's really what it boils down to. For- Which, in some way, is sort of an odd thing because the humanity starts with the human. Yeah. Um. But I, but I will I will add this. You know, and I mentioned this before the show, so I don't mind sharing with our audience. Steve Jobs came with Apple at a time twice because he was obviously with Apple, then left and then had next and then Apple bought next and he was back with Apple. But in the two times that he was with Apple, the Internet and the 24 seven news coverage didn't exist. Correct. In the way that we're seeing it today. And and I, I, I would I would ask people this before you think about sending a tweet to Elon criticizing him or to anybody for that matter, because Twitter, we know, is really a forum for people uh, on their worst day. <laughs> We are as human as the next person. If we had the same kind of eyes on us 24 hours a day, the way that Elon Musk does, the way that our elected leaders do, the way that anybody in the spotlight does, how would those people who are watching you talk about you? Um, you know, I, I'm I'm not speaking for anybody on the show. I myself have had moments where I wish I didn't say or do something. And I always imagine, God, I, I've affected one or two people or a room of friends or whatever it is. I can't imagine if I tweeted something that impacted the lives of thousands of people, you know, that really changed the course of things uh, for a lot of people. So, you know, just b- before we're too hard on Elon, just think about what it's like to be in his shoes for a second and think about what that feels like. And then maybe just maybe be kinder. Maybe. Yeah, that's part of the you thing. Don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to agree with everything he's doing. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine. I mean, you're going to have people who don't support the company and what his mission is. That's, that's understandable. But just maybe don't be so hard on him because I don't. I think his harshest critic is himself. The, the part of the problem with the internet, of course, because of the relatively <clears throat> um, you know, the relative anonymity of the internet, you're not face-to-face with somebody. It's too easy yeah. to be mean. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a lot of lacking empathy. I mean, oh, yeah, you just you, you just touched on Trav. One of my biggest concerns of the 21st century is what social media is doing to human behavior, and the fact that it's basically permitted us this whole new range of behaviors that in person-to-person contact is unimaginable. And we're we've kind of unleashed the genie here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're there's there's parts of our brain that that's little core id part now that are free to run wild and i don't know where this is going to take us in 10 or 20 years i i hope that people start to get this sense of hmm you know maybe we have to look at this i i think it's something that strongly should be integrated into the education system and to me it has to be part of your your education growing up now is like okay here's how to act person to person Here's now how you take those values and apply them to the internet. We desperately need that. I mean, uh, I know I try to be super aware of it myself. It's like, okay, before I type anything, is this something I would ever say to a person face to face? It's the first thing I always try to think mm-hmm. of. You know, yeah. and it, it, it's not something that's obvious. You know, and well, I think in a lot of ways it's just because of our generation. I think the younger kids, and and I'm not, I don't want to paint everybody in the same paintbrush in a lot of ways, but. Um, you know, the younger generation is very much a me society and, um, you know, they feel some ways pretty entitled to a lot of things and, um, they don't want to do any effort, don't want to do any work. So I don't know. I, I'm with you. I try to, I mean, having been on social media now for the last, uh, almost three years, um, 
I'm talking about Twitter specifically because that's my thing. I don't like Facebook. I, I go on there. I put cat pictures on Facebook. That's what I do. <laughs> but they're um, great yes. cat pictures. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, my my uh, nutmeg, thanks you for that. <laughs> um, but on, on Twitter, what I find myself... Meow. Yes, on, on Twitter, my thing is, is uh, you know, with the Model 3 Owners Club thing was really to educate people and bring people the latest news. And what I have discovered over the last three years, of course, being exposed to that um, is just seeing a lot of nastiness. I mean, you get a lot of people at that point, you know, they just say crazy things. And, you know, there's, 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 no, there's no regard as to how it makes you feel or how it's going to be taken, of course, because, you know, obviously there's no way to put emotions in there, which is why I try to make a point of putting as many emojis in that I think that try to reflect what I'm trying to say, because if you just put it in there without any kind of feeling or whatever, you just have no idea. So I apologize if you don't like emojis, but that's just kind of my way of just saying thumbs up or thumb, you know, whatever the case may be, because it's just, it just doesn't get across, right? Right. So yeah, in a lot of ways, it's, it's pretty damaging, but all I can do is, you know, just do your best and, um, you know, just try to be uh, encouraging to people and um, uh, don't let things get out of control because some things, uh, you know, Sometimes you have to rein things in. Let's let's take it back to Elon. Is how did he close out the Joe Rogan segment? Wasn't it all you need is love? <laughs> Pretty much. There you yeah. go. That's he, the message. He, man. You know, Elon has he, a, a, a unique ability to retain some very good um, quotes and paraphrases. He does come out with some really good zingers sometimes. I will say this though: if you can't say anything nice, just don't say anything at all. Yeah, that's what my mama told like, me. It's, it's, it's not hard. Like, there, listen, there have been times where I'm on Twitter and I'm looking at your feeds. I'm seeing stuff tweeted at me. I'm seeing stuff in general about whatever it is. And yeah, there are times I want to comment to somebody, like just to help them understand the difference between you are and your when it comes to how they're writing things or which version of their, their, and their they're supposed <laughs> to use. I mean, Spelling. there's all kinds of things. Right. There, there's ways we can correct people. But sometimes it's better off just saying, you know what? I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let it slide because yeah, all live. it's gonna all it's gonna do is just it's gonna create more problems. It's gonna maybe make me look bad. The other person's gonna get upset for no reason, and all of a sudden their day is ruined. Like it's just like I don't know. I we, we this is a whole different show on its own in terms mm -hmm. of how social media is, but I almost feel sometimes I feel like we're sort of anti-social media. Just on the way we carry about ourselves with other people, like we're we're trying to be engaging, but we're but there are those people who just for whatever reason want to incite anger and aggression and resentment and just to ruffle feathers of people because they can. Oh and yeah, yeah. If you're the kind of person that doesn't have thick skin and you're easily offended or something, yeah, I can understand that. But some people will maliciously say things to be mean just yeah. because they can't. Well, it's internet um, bullying, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's everywhere. And I, I think, you know, we're in an era, you mentioned this before. I mean, I don't think it's even generational. I mean, yeah, younger people, I think more days are leaving social media because of the culture and the environment that we're in. Yep. It's the other people who are on it. To, I mean, look, we've we talked about Tesla shorts on the show all the time. Like there are people who will just create an account just to go after people and just go, ha, 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 ha. To, for no reason that there's no validity to what they're saying, but they're just doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, we, we, this can go on forever, but my, my basic sense is, and the one thing I want people to take away from this is just, you have two things you can do. You either can be part of the problem or you can be part of the solution. I choose to be part of the solution by either trying to help educate people that are genuinely interested in wanting to learn more about the company and what the cars can do or their energy solutions for that matter. Um, or I can take the people who are, are accusatory and, and say things to us that are very inflammatory and just ignore it. 
because all we're going to do is just fan the flames of the the naysayers that are in every which way never going to side with what we're trying to do and that's and that's fine i i sleep better at night not engaging with the negative i love it i think it's great people follow eric his handles ec fix <laughs> on twitter <laughs> He's got some really good zingers. <laughs> I do. Yes, I do. I like yes. to, to me. To me, there's there's I'd rather be funny than than and whimsical than, than your humor negative. is very much appreciated. You're yes. welcome. Yes. Just just to guide us back on track gently. I, I wanted to mention as we close out this this little segment of the show, uh, Chris Payne is rumored to be working on a third movie. Um, Trev, I don't know if you're aware, but um, I heard that rumor that. too. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Generation EV, or at least that's what the working title is. It's It's got its own Twitter feed. There's never anything about it. I constantly Google it to see if there's news. Yeah. But that that apparently is supposed to be happening at some point. So let's, let's hope, that let's that hope actually it happens. Gets All right. Well, on that note, let's move on. We've got some more stuff to talk about. Um, the next part, uh, possible end of the referral program. Um, if you haven't been paying attention, well, here you go. Uh, the previous... Um, referral program uh, ended on December 10th and the scuttlebutt going around is that it was probably going to go away, but uh, it's been extended by one week. It now goes until December 17th. So if you're still sitting on the fence for ordering a car, of course, and you want the free supercharging, you can certainly do that. But it reminded me of something that Elon said back in September. I'm going to show you the tweet here. I'm just going to uh, bring it up here because someone had asked here, um, would, it would be a great one if uh, uh, international reservations uh, of the Model 3 Performance could get a shot at this too. This was in reference, of course, to the Performance Model 3 getting free supercharging. And Elon said, we'll see what we can do. Really need to bring this program to an end while being as fair as possible. It's not sustainable long term. And this is kind of the thing that's been going around. And you know, our good friend Ben Sullins also did a video where he was talking about whether the referral program is sustainable long term. And you're going to hear from both sides of this. Um, you know, there's people that say it's a great demand lever um, and it's been extremely successful in getting all kinds of sales. I can attest to that to myself because I, you know, have lots of referrals myself. Um, are the prizes, is, is, is the free supercharging still worthy to put in there? And I honestly, I don't know what the answer is. I, I like the referral program because there's something in it for both parties, okay? Um, and, it, and it's a great way. I mean, let's face it. Tesla does not do advertising, so they have to do something. And that was really the genesis of the referral program. I would really hope that they continue the program. Of course, it has to have some tweaks. Whether the supercharging remains an award for the buyer, I really don't know. I mean, if you look at the history of the supercharging, way back in the day, um, you got the free supercharging for life with the car, and they also had a $1,000 discount on the car. And that went on for quite some time until I think the Dealer Association in California got involved and said, you can't do that anymore. We don't like it. So, of course, they took the $1,000 off. And then they said, okay, the supercharging is only good for one year. And then it went to you know $100 credit, and now it's only for six months. So as far as the supercharging is concerned, I, I think the, the six months as opposed to the previous, which was basically credit, is a little more tangible because now you have something finite. You can go Because if you say, oh, you get $100 worth of credit supercharging, people go, well, how much supercharging is that? Well, if you say six months of free supercharging, people go, oh, okay, good. Uh, I think that is a, a great reward for the buyer, and I hope it continues. But at the same time, if you look at the program and how many changes they've been making, it's like they've been they've been clawing it back and clawing it back. So, at, at what point do they claw it back? I mean, to the point that it disappears, or do they change it? 
I want your thoughts on this, guys. Since you're both owners now, um, what do you guys think? I say, you know, my 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 sensibilities are, I'm okay with them eventually doing away with the supercharging credits, uh, having some other incentives for owners, uh, like now that Ian's vying for, which is the Model S um, little car uh, for his granddaughter. Uh, that'd be kind of cool, I, I, you know, but, but the supercharging, I mean, especially like for six months, unless you do a road trip in the first six months, or if you just have a, if you live in an apartment or it's difficult to charge uh, in certain locations, maybe you use it, but like, that's only six months. It's not, it's not like I do it all the time. I've had my car now since April. So it's been a little over seven months and I've used supercharging three times. Mm-hmm here in Florida, just three times in those seven plus months. So it does sound great initially, but if you're going, okay, well, I get a referral code. I mean, it's more to the benefit of the, of the recipient of, of the, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's, it's better to, for the giver of the code. So the person who's currently owner gets more, more perks from it than the person who receives it because six months is not a whole great amount. Um, but I'm, I'm with you, Trevor. I think revamping the program in some way, uh, really kind of revitalizing it because they've been making minor tweaks here and there. Yes. I think like really start from the very beginning, like, just scrap the whole thing, you know, maybe have fewer levels. Um, now that the roadster is sort of a thing, I think it's going to eventually uh, go away. Um, yeah, yeah that, that, we'll, uh, that's we'll certainly not sustainable. I, I think it could continue. I think it's a kind of cool insiders thing. It, it gives, you know, Tesla its little edge. It, one of the things that makes the company interesting and different, it makes us all feel a little bit, you know, part of the company and the culture. But maybe what they need to do is just transition it to something that doesn't cut into profits so much, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, like one of the current prizes is, you know, be, uh, what is it, a beta test or whatever, or get early access, you know, to, uh, to the software upgrades sure. or things like that. I mean, there's tons of little insiders things they could do, you know, like a, a VIP factory tour, you know, like in other words, they're not going to fly you to California, but should you no. show up at the factory and you want a tour, well, you get the extra insiders tour. That doesn't really cost them very much. There's all sorts of little fun insider things that uh, I think could be used that uh, are not costly. More the of the secret level stuff, you know, yeah. drive, you know, drive the boring Maybe. machine, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what does that cost them? And it's it's all it's the kind of stuff that we would geek out on. So why not? Mm-hmm. Eric, any thoughts on that? No, I, I agree with that too. I mean, you know, I, I think that now that the company is showing profitability and the goal is moving forward to continue showing profitability, uh, like Ian said, there's no point in just giving away your money. You you want to actually rem- keep being profitable. Um you know, like for me, you know, I, I have yet to accrue a referral and that's fine. I'm not someone who's really pushing hard to to get one. Um, but like the first the first level is, hey, we're going to send whatever photo you want into space on a mission where there's cargo. Like, OK, great. But I, I don't ever see it. So cool. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like with the, it's like where the missions where you get to submit to NASA, your name goes on a little microprocessor microprocessors uh that you know it goes into space with your name on it like you know like it's cool like if your voice was on one of the voyager uh you know satellites like that's awesome that's fantastic if you're on that record and you know like it's just it's out there for someone else to discover um so yeah i i don't i don't know what needs to be done um i think there's some people who are happy just being owners don't really push hard for the referrals and and for them they probably feel like eh, it takes more work to get x number of things and you get like okay i get a couple hundred dollars worth from this thing and maybe i get the wall connector and that sort of thing is pretty cool um but yeah i i think there's 
there's it's going to get to a point where the referral program is going to be like eh, kind of a shrug your shoulders experience for the owners to go it'd be nice if i get to level whatever but if i don't that's totally fine because it's not a, it's not a major perk like race a semi that's kind of cool. It doesn't really cost the company much anything. You just have to go to wherever they're doing the race and race a semi. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'd be nice for them to, to redo it. But like I said, the supercharging at some point for them, they're losing money, just giving away energy. So stop doing that. Mm. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I really hope that the referral program continues because it's a, it's a great way to, you know, get people yeah. out there. What I don't want to see though is, <clears throat> You know, the problem with social media, of course, is you got a lot of people that are trying to share their referral code. And, you know, I'm certainly a victim of this or where I'm trying to tell people about something on there. You give them a referral code, you know, use it if you want to or not, whatever. And then you get things like um, um, I call it link link um, um, hijacking, <laughs> referral code hijacking, right? People get into yeah. your thread and say, use mine, use mine, use mine. It's not the way it works. You got to put some effort into this. I've been at this for three years now. I've been very, very well rewarded for the work that I've done. Thank you very much for everybody. Um, but it, it's in a lot of ways, it's become, yeah, a lot of people are just, they're just in it for the prizes. And mm -hmm. I think the last change that they made, not this current one, but the last one where they introduced the the little, you know, the picture on uh, on thing. And I think that was largely because they felt like, well, you can't give away a wall charger to everybody that gets a referral on a Model 3 because that's going to cost them a lot of money. So this is kind of a little freebie. So that was kind of adjusted that way. Um, so I don't know what the solution is. Um, personally, I think the free supercharging for the buyer should stay. Um, six months works really great for a lot of people, whether you use it or not. That's one thing. I mean, but it's it's something, you know, it's it's tangible. And, and it works. Um as far as the uh, owner of the referral code, yeah, they, I mean, they've always made changes to the referral program. Keep in mind, I've only been involved in this for, I've only had my referral code for like a year now. Um, so I've seen, you know, a number of changes and stuff, um, but I have seen a general progression of the awards um, kind of, I don't want to say going down in value, or, or it, but I've definitely seen a trend of them being pulled back in terms of value. So take it as, as you will. All I cared about when I got my referral was uh, was was the wheels. That's all I really cared about right. at the end of the day. Um, you know, it certainly exploded much more than I expected, but I don't know. Um, I, I hope uh, it continues. Next Monday, we'll find out what, what happens, or actually it's Tuesday. They, they adjust it on the next day. So anyways, that's all I wanted to say about that. <laughs> Not only that, just in general, how many companies can you think about have a program like this? Like you can, you well, might have like, like you might have not like, in the auto industry. No, but as on my point, like you, like Apple doesn't have a program like this necessarily. You don't get like all of a sudden, you know, phone carriers don't give you major discounts on your phone plan because you referred someone to the company. Um, I mean, most employers might go, well, if you refer a friend to come work for us and they end up working 90 days, 120 days, or whatever it is, like you'll get a bonus in your paycheck. Like it's not a common thing. So for Tesla to have had a program running for this long, that's gone through as many iterations as it has, like that's awesome. And I and I, I think what you're I think what you're also trying to convey to people is that, and I'm gesturing this. So if you're listening to the podcast, just ignore what I'm doing. Um, but I think a lot of people will see like you know you had the wall connector was your very very you had that one or two like the first two referrals you get to pick one of the things you can get a wall connector or you get the radio flyer uh, electric little car for kids. Yeah. But that got bumped down to an 
basically level two. So mm-hmm. your first referral was a picture in space. So I think what you're you're saying is like some of the values remain the same, but they're just kind of being pushed, pushed further down. You need more referrals so need to more, claim them. You need, yeah. right, need more referrals to claim them. And then the easier, cheaper things are sort of introduced that's newer. So, um, so they're still there. A lot of them are still accessible, but it's just going to take you more referrals to get it, which again, I, I think is fine. Um, you know, but, but, you know, I, I it, it, look, it's, it's worked for some people. Um, you know, I know our, our former friend, uh, Michael Bodner is doing well for his own channel too. And, and a lot of other owners are doing great getting the referrals out there. We've had Earl on the show. He's, he's getting numbers up. Um, so, but I'm, but I'm with you though. There are a lot of people who abuse the program, uh, which is not really good. And that's sort of, you know, they tell you like, don't do that. Um, but anyway, I, it's, 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 I'm with you. I want to see it stay, but what they do with it after uh, the next four days from now, when it expires again, will uh, to be seen. Yeah. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. Let's talk about Elon one more time, because uh, obviously we had another tweet from Elon. Somebody put this up here. Uh, let me just bring it up because... Um, Somebody uh, popped into one of uh, Elon's threads and said, when can I order my pickup truck? And Elon said, I'm dying to make a pickup truck so bad, we might have a prototype to unveil next year. Um, Last year, we saw uh, the introduction of the semi-truck and, of course, the Roadster. And the scuttlebutt going around is that we will see Model Y in March of 2019. So there's always a possibility... And, you know, we have to keep this in mind because this is Elon after all, because he's not very punctual. He even said so <laughs> during the 60 minute interview. Um, this this car may or may not um, make it for next year. I certainly hope it would. It would I would really like to see this thing. Um, so I don't know. What do, what do you guys think? Are you, you're looking forward to seeing something like this? I mean, obviously, Rivian at the auto show in L.A. made all kinds of headlines. I think it's an awesome vehicle. We've talked about it on the show. Um, I think in a lot of ways, Elon sees that and says, you know, we got to step things up. That's exactly what this is. I guarantee you, because everybody got so excited about it and he must've been like, well, wait a second. We, we've been talking about a pickup for a year, you know, like, what are we going to do? Franz von Holzhausen even made an appearance at the Rivian, um, display. I saw that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know if that's intelligence gathering or whatever the case may be. You can bet that there's certain amount of that. Oh Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this it was mentioned during the sixty minutes interview. Uh, kind of going back to that, that Elon was asked, "Well, do you want competition?" He's like, "Yeah, if we end up going out of business, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not, I'm not quoting yeah, by course. any means, but um, but yeah, if we go out of business, that's fine. It it meant that someone produced a better car, but we're electrifying the market. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I think it'd be great if they could do that, but." I don't know. We got the semi and the roadster. I mean, we'll see if they can do it. But if they, but if they can get a prototype, even if it's just like more of a skeletal body than anything else, just to kind of show what it would look like, then sure. Why not? Well, you got the rendering so far. Well, Tesla has a very good history of displaying 
um, prototypes. I, I like remember Tesla does not do concepts. A lot mm -hmm. of other companies do concepts. I don't. Rivian doesn't do concepts. They're showing you the production intent vehicle. That's what Tesla does. They bring out a prototype, but it is a design intent production or uh, engineering validation prototype, if you want to call it right. like that. That's what they. That's what they call the Model Three when they do, when they introduced it back in the day. So, barring any slight changes, what Tesla generally shows is what actually goes into production. So, when they bring this out, I just want to caution everybody: don't think it's some kind of concept. They don't do that. Um, history has, has proven that so far on on the three vehicles that they've done. Yes, the Model S when they first introduced it was was really a, a Mercedes underneath with some fiberglass body panels, blah blah blah. But when they brought out you know the subsequent al Alpha vehicles, um, you know that was basically a, you know a production intent vehicle. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I I think it's uh, it's certainly the next market, and we've talked about it many times on the podcast that it's the next market that's really ripe for disruption. So the more the merrier. I just hope that they don't spend themselves too thin. They've got a you know a number of projects. I mean, I think Model Y at this point is largely buttoned up. Now it's just a matter of finishing the uh, you know the uh, validation prototype for reveal and um, get their production happening. By the way, I want to mention. Um, I think it was last on the last podcast we we talked about um, you know Tesla getting Model Y to market very quickly, and I mentioned the words copy and paste, and I think I said Model Three in the same sentence, and people took me to task for that, and I want to apologize. I didn't intend on saying the Model Three should be copied and pasted in terms of design, make that a Model Y. I meant the production line. Um, they went through hell to get this Model 3 production line going. So if they can take that and copy and paste it, that's what my intent was. So I just wanted to clarify that. So I apologize if anybody thought that I was talking about Model 3. I think Model 3 um, design is great. It's fantastic. Use what you can in terms of technology to bring you to Model Y. But I'm not saying the Tesla should copy the car, you know, um, you know, from start to finish and, and just make an SUV out of it. I think there's lots of room for improvement and put their own little design flair on that. So anyways, that's what I want to say on that. Okay, um, the next little one I want to talk about here is something I did a video on it. Um, I think it was yesterday. I want to talk about this situation with Model 3 break-ins. Um, there has been a rash of break-ins in the San Francisco, in the Bay Area, and it looks like it's a theft ring that's going around. These thieves know each other. They share the information. So here's the bottom line. Um, these thieves have been going around and breaking the rear quarter window on the Model 3 because they've discovered that it doesn't trigger the alarm. So they're able to bust this window, reach in, and pull the latch for the rear seats and fold them down to see if there's any valuables in the trunk. So this has been a little bit of an epidemic in the Bay Area. And you can be sure that Tesla knows about this because obviously people have to make insurance claims and they have to send out window replacements for this. Um, I said in my video that I thought that one of the solutions that Tesla could do is make the enhanced anti-theft upgrade that they just released for the Model X and uh, retrofit that to the, like make it for the Model 3. Um, either put it in production for the cars, make it a, a retrofit for current owners, uh, because that retrofit introduces sonic sensors and, and um, a tilt sensor, like a, an accelerometer or whatever, in the car. And it goes in the, um, uh, the dome light overhead uh, that detects these break-ins. So... I don't know what you guys, I mean, the thing was, I didn't want to make this into an alarmist thing. I didn't want to say, oh, this is, you know, it's going all, all over the country. Uh, but because it's happening in there and I mean, look, let's face it, this information travels on the internet very quickly. There's no reason to think that it wouldn't be an issue for somebody else that leaves a car parked outside. Um, so I just want to bring it to everybody's attention. 
Um, you know, the consensus is right now, until we find some kind of solution, Tesla does something about it or whatever the case may be, or maybe it peters out, I don't know. Um, but don't leave valuables in the back of the car. And some people, and I know it's extremely inconvenient, you don't want to do this, but put the back seats down so that if, you know, casual thieves come by and they look inside, they can see uh, that you don't have any valuables in the back. But I want your feedback on this, guys. Um, is this an issue? Are you really worried about this? Do you think Tesla um, should do something about this? Uh, I mean, I, it's it's a complicated question. Um, I lived in San Francisco in 2015. So I can tell you firsthand, um, having been in the Bay Area for as long as I was there and having visited times before and since then, um, car break-ins are, are sort of the norm, especially in San Francisco. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you guys uh, in our off-site chat that you know, it's very difficult to go in most boroughs of San Francisco and not see broken auto glass somewhere from a car that was there or a car that did have its glass broken and that's still parked there, whatever it is. Um, so it is it is somewhat disconcerting. Um, and I'm with you on the sense that we're not trying to get people overly cautious about this. Um, so, you know, we know it's affecting a lot of people in the Bay Area. But again, Car break-ins in San Francisco is kind of the norm. A lot of, you know, a lot of cars have it. Um, so ideally, it, it is that. I mean, if, if you feel like there's things you can do to sort of help mitigate the chances of breaking your car, go ahead and do it. Um, if it's if you're able to put it in a in a, a safer location to park, great. If you can keep your seats down, great. Um, my car, for example, I never keep anything in it. Not even like a, a cup of water in the cup holder because I just don't want to <laughs> have anything visible. Um, so look. I'm hoping Tesla will do something. What they do, what they offer, is it going? Is it software related? Is it going to come at a cost with hardware replacement? Who knows? Um, but it is. It's one of those things where if you are an owner of a car, there's a chance someone's going to break into your car at some point. I don't mm -hmm. care whether you live in Topeka, Kansas, San Francisco, California, or places otherwise. So, um, you know, just try to try to park your cars in safe, well-lit areas if you can. And like Trevor said, try to not keep valuables in your vehicle in plain sight. Um, in my case, my car is not tinted, so you can easily see in my car. But um, but again, people will keep stuff in the trunk or the front trunk or somewhere. And if they can quickly get break in, take 30 seconds, grab something and just get out, they'll do it. Well, my question is, this enhanced anti-theft upgrade for the Model X came out of nowhere. Was there demand mm -hmm. for this? Was there a problem? I mean, I'm not aware of any issue that would say we need this. It was just something that just kind of showed up one day. So it's, it's like it's, it was it $350 for the Adam? Yes, $350 US. Uh, I mean, for installed. some. Pardon? I think that includes installation as yes, well. Yes, it right? does. Yes. The, yeah, the mobile guys that's, come and do it. You don't need to take it in. That's super reasonable. I have no idea why they couldn't come up with something like well, that. Well, I think, and, and I mentioned in the video too, if you think it's expensive on the surface, don't forget some insurance companies, if you have an additional um, anti-theft device and stuff like that, you could have a, a discount on your insurance. So that may offset the cost a little bit. So just keep that in mind too. But like I said, is like, where did this come from, from the Model X? I don't know of any demand. I did, I did get some followers, I think, in Europe and said that the, there is such a thing that exists on the Model S, but it's not uh, retroactively upgradable on the North American cars. So I don't know if that's a regional thing as far as insurance or whatever the laws and stuff. But I, per, to me, this just indicates that there's a possibility they may introduce these types of upgrades for the rest of the cars in due time. 
I'll, I'll tell you what they should do is I, being that we have like a 400 volt plus battery in the floor of the car, <laughs> I'm thinking, I know maybe run a couple, uh, just a few wires, a little conductor there through the <laughs> rear seat release handle. So if the glass breakage is triggered and you grab the rear seat handle, guess what? You're getting a new hairdo. <laughs> kind of like the flamethrowers that some people install on the bottom of the cars in South yes, Africa. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking. That, that'll yeah. solve the problem button quick. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, it's just a, a topic I want to have a discussion on because, you know, obviously I get a lot of feedback from people and they're saying, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I don't have the answers. Uh, but the fact that I saw the upgrade on the Model X being available just kind of come out of nowhere. I thought maybe there's a story behind this. Maybe there's some plans behind the scenes with Tesla. Of course, they're they're usually, you know, very mum on things. Maybe there's something on, you know, on, on the plate as far as an upgrade is concerned. But um, anyways, just the topic for discussion. <laughs> All right. Well, we've come to the part of the show that we like. Um, one of the best things that we've been doing lately, and that is viewer questions. So we yeah! have a... All right! <laughs> I think Eric is excited about this. Um, we got a lot of very good ones. Thank you, everybody who uh, tweeted at us um, uh, for these questions. So I'm going to start off here. And these are not in any particular order, but you guys can jump in and answer whatever you want. But I think um, this is one for Ian. So a uh, gentleman in Montreal, his name is Serge, and uh, he sent us a question in French. So I'm going to translate for you. He says he wants to know about Model 3 maintenance. He says, I called Tesla Montreal and asked about maintenance on the Model 3, and they said the annual cost, or 40,000 kilometers, is $650. He says brakes were also $280. I think this is extremely expensive compared to my Nissan Altima. What do you think? I had that same concern. You know, um, even before the 3 came out, I, I followed with great interest, you know, what the story was for maintenance on the, the S and the X. And it's counterintuitive because one of the great selling features of an EV is there's virtually no maintenance. You know, like uh, driving the Volt, I looked at the recommended maintenance and it was like, well, every two years, change the oil. That was pretty much it. You know, there's a general inspection you can do, but there was really not much else to it. Uh, and here they're talking about an annual inspection, which I think is, you know, more of a peace of mind thing where they go over the car with a fine tooth comb. It's like a 300 point inspection or something like that. And, um, at certain intervals, there is some fluids you want to look after. I don't know that I would pay that kind of money for an annual inspection just to look around for stuff. Um, and if uh, I want you guys to correct me, as well as the listeners, if anyone else has got this right, my understanding of it is this is not mandatory. In other words, you right. do not have to have this done in order for your warranty to be expected. That is correct. It was expected. mandatory when they first introduced it, and there was a lot of pushback, and then Tesla yeah. backed off. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So th this is optional. I mean, this is a peace of mind thing at this point. Um, however, I'm going to say that there's a few things in the car that should be looked at. One of them is brake fluid, the general rule of thumb is two <laughs> to three years on brake fluid. You should I learned that mistake. Yeah, didn't you though? Uh -huh. It's yeah, brake fluid. The problem with brake fluid is hygroscopic. It will absorb moisture. Uh, so over time, water gets into it and it'll corrode the components, and that can be exorbitantly expensive. Yes, I discovered that. If you guys haven't been following along, we had some issues with my wife's uh, Volkswagen Golf, which doesn't get driven very much, and we had nothing but problems with brakes over the last few years. And uh, the last situation is that, uh, yes, water uh, got into the lines and uh, totally corroded our ABS module. So mm -hmm. it cost us a pretty penny to get that replaced. So Ian's absolutely right. 
Yeah, no, look after your brake fluid. The other thing too is it degrades performance. The brake pedal will get spongy eventually. And uh, if you're one of the maniacs like myself who's intending on tracking the car, uh, you can boil a brake fluid if it gets too much uh, moisture in it. So that's it's a relatively cheap thing to do. I mean, you know, if you're a bit of a grease monkey like me, you can actually do it yourself. It's not terribly hard. Or, you know, you can have a local shop do it. It's uh, it's pretty much standard. Or there wouldn't be anything, I don't think, anything special on the Model 3 or any of the Teslas. You know, it's a fairly conventional braking system on the car. So that's one I would look after. And then, of course, there's the um, cooling system for the drivetrain, uh, being that that has uh, standard antifreeze in it. Uh, that has a finite lifespan. But normally that stuff's good for four or five years, something of that nature. So You keep talking here. I thought I'd bring up the uh, maintenance schedule here. We're just kind of looking years. at it here. So yeah, so you're saying brake fluid, yeah, brake fluid, yeah. two years, 25,000 miles, 40,000 kilometers, battery coolant every four years, 50,000 yeah. miles, 80,000 kilometers, whichever comes first. That's exactly so. what I would suggest. I mean, you know, if you want to do the the general inspection um, to feel warm and fuzzy, uh, absolutely, go for it. I mean, that's, that's a great thing to do. Uh, I myself just love to poke under the car because it's yeah. what I do for fun. But I mean, uh, go ahead and do it, but don't feel obligated to do it. And uh, But those two things... I think are worth doing the the brake fluid and the um, and the coolant. Well, you know what they say about cars, right? It's not what makes it go; it's what makes it stop. So, yeah, don't ignore your brakes. Yeah. It's it's a pretty big no, deal. No, and I mean, I'm not suggesting either you never do any maintenance on the car. I mean, you know, your life depends on everything working correctly. Every so often, you should have it up on the lift. You should at least look at uh, suspension components, brake lines, anything that's you know structural or uh, a safety item. Make sure that nothing really glaring is wrong because, you know, you can hit a pothole or, you know, debris can hit the bottom of the car. There could something could happen that you at least want to have a look at every so often just to make sure that it's all there and all working properly. Yeah. Even sometimes out of warranty, I've noticed that Tesla has been, I don't want to say lenient, but they've been, you know, there's been a lot of goodwill on their part for a lot of people because, you know, they're still, uh, you know, still have a reputation to maintain and stuff. So. Um, personally, I think $650 for an annual maintenance is too much money, but the brakes, yeah, I would pay that. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, you could probably skip that first one and just go to the second one. So, but yep, your mileage may vary. All right. Next question comes from, um, a Twitter follower named blank space. He says, why doesn't Tesla make front wheel drive cars? Ian, I know you're all over this. Okay. I promise we're not going to take up Eric's weekend. I, this is my promise to him. <laughs> We could go on for three days. I'm going to keep this very short. Why does Tesla not do a front-wheel drive car? Well, mostly it's the luxury of being able to place the weight perfectly evenly distributed throughout the car. And the strange thing is, you know, we've grown up in an era where front-wheel drive cars have a lot of performance advantages in bad weather because of the weight placement of the engine being over the drive wheels. Um, there's two formulas for that. You can have a front-engine, front-wheel drive car where that big, heavy heavy lump of metal helps you get the drive wheels going and pull the car up the hill. Or if you, like me, started your life with an old air-cooled Beetle, you know having the engine over the rear wheels does the same thing for you. It gives you tremendous traction. However, imagine you have a car that has absolutely perfect 50-50 weight distribution. Um, that would mean that you have the choice of powering either set of wheels. And it actually, the physics works to your advantage to put the power to the rear. Why? When you accelerate, what you're actually doing is the, the nose of the car wants to pitch up and the tail end sort of wants to dig in. So the, the fact that the car wants to rotate backwards onto its transfers its weight onto the rear wheels as it accelerates will mean that the rear wheels generally have a little bit better traction. 
Um, this is why you don't see a lot of front-wheel drive dragsters. You, you can make a front-wheel drive dragster, but it's a much bigger challenge than making a rear-wheel drive one. So that's what's going on here. And actually, the weight distribution in a rear-wheel rear drive Model 3 is slightly rearward. I think it's around 54, 46. So it actually it does have, from the get-go, more weight in the back. So all the more reason. Last reason is it's just generally more fun to drive. I've had front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, and all-wheel drive. And I can tell you, from a pure driver's enjoyment standpoint, rear-wheel drive is, is where it's at. You know, you can basically power the rear wheels, and this keeps the front wheels free to do all of the braking and all, well, 70% of the braking typically is the ratio, and all the steering. So you can make better use of the contact patches of the tires if you're powering the rear wheels while you're braking and steering with the front wheels. So for, for sporty or track work, that's a better setup, too. I have to agree. I mean, Ian Pavelko, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I will say, um, from personal experience, because I've had a lot of cars, the most fun I've ever had was always a rear-wheel drive car or an all-wheel drive car, not front-wheel drive. Just me. Follow this guy at Mad Hungarian on Twitter. Please buy a shirt. <laughs> I'm wearing one right now. Come on! <laughs> Do it for the man. It's the holiday season. Buy some stuff. Yes. He's He's just happy that we didn't go into the weekend on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one comes from David uh, Zarnecki. He says, um, I noticed on auto steer, maybe always in quotes, he says, uh, the steering wheel icon rotates to indicate direction to turn. Any other useful user interface uh, items like this? Yeah, there's plenty of stuff. Um, I noticed on my Model X, for example, because I have the center um, um, instrument cluster. If you put the car in park, it shows you your car in profile and if you turn on the lights or the blinkers or you press the brake lights everything turns on so there's there's lots of attention to detail in the car matter of fact if you go into your car settings for the light on the on the s and the x i'm not talking about the three here but on the s and the x um prior was it prior to this version 9 software update i think it was um used to have a display of the car of course and you put the blinkers on everything would blink so yeah there's there's a lot of little um attention to detail in the car because it's highly instrumented it knows where everything is so, um, yeah, I mean, the auto steer thing has been there for quite some time, um, but it's it's subtle. Uh, like, because we don't have full full self-driving and the car's not doing 90-degree turns, uh, it's pretty easy to miss. But, uh, yeah, that's been there for, for some time. All uh, right. This, this is also, if you haven't seen it, um, our friend Kim from the Like Tesla channel yes, also Kim. has a video where there's some pretty awesome Model 3 little things where, like, there's hidden logos and, and all kinds of fun stuff. One of my favorite ones, especially with the version 9 software, if you press and hold the telephone uh, that's on the, model, the software now, it goes, ahoy, hoy. So it's, it's, it's little things like that that are like you geek out on. Yeah. So. There's, there's lots of little hidden Easter eggs in the car. I'm not talking specifically about the Easter eggs that Tesla has now made visible because there was a time you had to go digging for those. Um, but if you press the Tesla logo and it brings up, you know, your car in VIN information, if you press and hold on the model three logo, you'll get, you know, a design of the model three. I do the same thing on the S and the X and I get a picture of the design team. Yep. So they hide little things like that. Yes. The model three has the little three bars logo before they were, um, unceremoniously litigated into not using it anymore but that little design thing is all over the car um, if you manage to pull out the battery pack uh, there's the three bars <clears throat> in the uh, belly pan of the car it's, it's printed all over the place so they're proud of their products they're proud of their of their um, of their software and stuff so they hide a lot of that stuff in the car mm -hmm. so very good. Uh, next one comes from uh, Walt Corey. He says, discuss Phantom Drain on the Model 3. So, yeah, you guys get in on this one here because I don't have a Model 3, but uh, let's face all Teslas have something called Phantom Drain. So let's get in on this and talk about what Phantom Drain is all about. 
Well, I'll say uh, for me in Florida, it's going to be good perspectives here because I live in a warmer climate. I don't deal with the same kind of issues that uh, our friend Ian does in a colder climate. Um, but there are times where my car will sit idle for a few days and it will lose mileage. Um, ever since I've gotten the recent updates, especially since I got version nine, it's been vastly improved from when I first got the car uh, in April. So all the updates have improved how much drain I get in the car from sitting idle. Uh, in fact, in October, I was on a seven day cruise in the uh, Caribbean. And in the entire seven days I was gone, my car lost about maybe 20 miles of range on the battery, uh, which is vastly improved from when it was when I first got the car earlier in the year, where I lost like 50 miles over that same time period. So um, it, it does happen uh, if you have to precondition your car, uh, which Ian can kind of explain in greater detail. But if you precondition your car, especially in colder climates, Absolutely. as long as your car is as long as your car is plugged in, uh, you're not going to lose any range. You're just using the energy that's already coming out of the wall, and you're able to get your car uh, and the battery warmed up and all that stuff. Which obviously, if your batteries are cold, it's going to affect your regen. Uh, but Ian, why don't you go ahead and expand more upon that, especially in a cold climate like you do in Canada? Yeah, I, I've seen um, quite a few instances of this. We've had some pretty wacky cold weather on and off over the last three weeks. Um, to be clear, I think phantom drain, what we normally talk about is is the term itself normally just refers to the car is not plugged in. So how much energy Correct. does it lose just, just sitting there? So on a warm summer day, very little. Uh, but obviously, as, as the temperatures cool down, yeah, you start to lose a fair amount. I, I ran an experiment the other night where we were at, what, about... Um, minus 14 celsius so what's that about two three four degrees fahrenheit and i did not plug the car in and uh i preconditioned it then to start up and it was at 90 percent charge give or take when i parked it and to precondition it for about a half an hour um it gave me what i was about i left the house with 80 percent, and i re, i gained back about another two three percent because the, the battery hadn't fully warmed up you know you get that little icy blue part of the battery display that says this is not available Snowflake. so it was telling me yeah exactly so it was telling me effectively leaving the house in the morning you'd lost 10 percent overnight because you heated the car up and you hadn't had it plugged in but i gained three percent back on the way to work so i lost about a total of seven percent on a really cold night um had i not warm the car up, I probably would have lost less, but I mean, you know, I'm seven minutes away from work, so this was hardly a concern. So yeah, during during the summer, I mean, it's, what is it, around 1% per night or something it's like that? It's very, very little. It's super little, and even on a super cold night, I wouldn't lose a huge amount of sleep over it. Now, if you had to park it at a really cold airport or something outside for Ugh. a week or two, that's a little different. You'd want the car mm -hmm. almost full charge before you, you left it there, but I, I still don't see it being anywhere near critical. Unless you were in some weird situation where the car had to have at least 50, 60% to get you back to wherever you're going at the end of a, a two-week absence. That, that would be a worst-case phantom drain scenario as far as I could tell. But how often is that going to happen? The, the consensus is, is if you have to leave your car and you don't have the ability to plug it in, get <clears throat> do a high state of charge. Um, and then when you leave the car, shut it down and resist the temptation <laughs> – to fire up the app on your phone and check on the car. Right. Because that right. wakes uh, up all the systems in the car. That yeah. uses energy. The The car comes online and it says, oh, the battery's cold. I'm going to start warming up the, the battery. Right. Um, so that involves heaters. That involves, you know, uh, you know, all kinds of different things. So mm -hmm. 
there are things you can do. Um, I found myself um, in a few instances where, you know, I'm, I'm not at home. I'm at friends' places, whatever. We're staying overnight. I just plug in the car. Even if it's 120 volt, plug it in. Because even in the colder months, it may not give you that much of a charge. It pulls just enough energy out of there to prevent that phantom drain. It just keeps the systems mm-hmm. kind of warm, keeps the heaters going and stuff. I never expect to get a charge out of the thing. Uh, but at least it prevents that 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 phantom drain. So it is yeah. more exacerbated in the winter months because the Tesla system is designed to preserve that battery at all costs. And that really involves keeping it warm. So, yeah, phantom drain is a real thing. But it can be mitigated by making sure that you plug in the car as much as possible, even if you're leaving it 120 volts, doesn't matter. And if you can't do that and you go away for an extended time, uh, you know, get a good state of charge. Like, don't park the car at 25% and go for a week. You're going to be in a world of hurt. Um, And uh, by the way, it also pays if you can. Um, If you're going away for, you know, if you live in the colder climate like we do and you're going away for a week or two, if you're taking the car to an airport, ask the airport um, authorities uh, in the parking or whatever to see if there's any kind of an outlet or something like that where you can plug in. Matter of fact, where I'm flying out of, I actually called the airport and I said, you know what? The last time I was there, I happened to notice you got a couple level two chargers. Are those just for people? And, and they're in the paid parking lot, by the way. And I asked them, I said, is it just for people dropping off people or is that for long term parking? And she says, no, you can plug in and leave your car there for a week as long as it's available. So I'm like, OK, bonus. So. At that point, I can, you know, and it's free. It didn't cost, uh, I asked them if it was, it was, it was uh, free or not. And they said, no, it's totally free. So because part of, uh, part of the parking fee, right? So uh, yeah, there's always that, uh, that thing. So yeah, in the winter months, it, it's a real issue, but just like a lot of this stuff can be just mitigated. Just plug in the car. Okay. <laughs> One last thing I just want to uh, mm-hmm. jump on there with, and I was kind of surprised is that apparently the battery itself getting cold, as long as it's got a good state of charge, is not harmful to the battery chemistry. Apparently, it doesn't do it any harm physically getting cold. No. Um, you don't have to worry about that. So don't don't freak out if you can't plug it in, that it's going to get too cold on its own. It will heat, manage its temperature. Yeah, again. heat will kill a battery, which is yeah. why they're temperature managed. Cold, all it does is just limits the amount of power that can be pulled out and yep. how fast you can charge it when it's cold. When the battery yep. warms up, you get a faster state of charge. But cold doesn't hurt the battery. Yeah, no, I just want everyone to realize yeah, okay. that. Good. All right, next question comes from Todd Harrison. He says, should Tesla hold off shipping into geographic regions subject to extreme cold weather until it resolves the issues customers are experiencing with charge port locking pins freezing? <sighs> Ian, you I might want to no. jump in on this one. <laughs> I say no as well. And the reason I say, I say no. no is uh, the, you have to understand with Tesla, Tesla is a of company and they fix a lot of things through software. They are more interested in getting a product into the world and they will deal with it through software. A lot of their cars are actually built like that. So it may be frustrating at first because there's a lot of teething issues because they didn't do all that much testing of the Model 3 in the cold weather climate. They would rather just put them out in the real world and then deal with the issues as they go. And they have been dealing with those issues. I understand it's frustrating. It is what it is. But I don't think they should stop this. Um, One of the Nice benefits, of course, for Europeans and the other markets that are coming online in the next few months is that a lot of these teething issues, we're the guinea pigs. We're the guys um, getting that stuff sorted out. So, but jump in, guys. What do you think? Uh, Apparently, the word is in the Montreal region, the fix for this. I mean, well, first, we already have one. Uh, There is an ups. um, Was it 44.2 that gave us the unlock on the automatic unlock? Somewhere in there, yeah. 
Yeah, so when the charge cycle is finished, it will automatically unlock while the port is presumably still warm from the charge current going through it. So, you know, the only risk with that is that potentially if you're using the, the SAE adapter, someone could now stiff your adapter. I mean, I wouldn't lose sleep over it. They could also steal your hubcaps or whatever all else. So <laughs> how much rampant adapter theft is, is a problem, I don't know. But yeah, that, that does seem to work. And uh, I've had zero issues with my car ever since I got that uh, update. The other thing is the Montreal techs, apparently, when, when they have severe cases of it, what they're doing is they're taking out the solenoid from the... Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, the activator solenoid, and they're pumping it full of uh, low temperature grease and that prevents water from infiltrating because the problem with the, the solenoid apparently is that there's no drain in it so if water gets in it can freeze and lock the pin in uh -huh. position there's but a if you pump, yes so but the apparently pumping it full of grease bang problem solved because water can't get in and can't stay and there you go so now that the fact that you have this information you can mm -hmm. bet that this stuff because i when i had problems with my model x windshield and it was a minor problem because i wasn't getting much flow the engineer or the technicians i should say that i was talking to montreal specifically said yes we're talking to the engineers in montreal so apparently they have some kind of contingent in montreal that talks to head office about cold weather situations yes they do so Yes, this information that you're saying now is getting back to headquarters. So you can expect that Tesla will do one of both of those things, pack it full of grease or change the solenoid design so it has some kind of drain. So thank you for that information. But yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. Also a third solution, you can move to Florida. <laughs> oh, I like that one. Uh, well, that has its own little issues too. So. <laughs> you're uh, telling me. Uh-huh. All right. Next question yeah. comes from uh, John Paul Jackson. He says, uh, based on Elon's tweets about enhanced autopilot, seeing uh, seeing streetlights and stop signs, uh, which is in an update coming, uh, could we see full self-driving by the end of 2019 if we don't count regulatory approval? Hmm. hmm. Well, hmm. we're not privy to Tesla's plans. Um, Elon has been hinting that they could see it by the end of 2019. Uh, again, as he indicated in there, uh, regulatory approval is a different matter altogether. Witness yep. Canada, we still do not have uh, a navigate on autopilot, although it is in the early access program. So it's going to be deployed fairly soon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and a couple of years ago, Tesla did that demonstration where they showed the video of a Model X driving, you know, from... Uh, uh, downtown uh, Palo Alto area right to headquarters. Um, but that was before they made all the changes to the neural network. So who knows at this point? I think in some ways that limited full self-driving is closer. It's getting closer and closer. But the full like full self-driving, get out of the seat, sit in the back, go to sleep type of thing. No, that's not happening. Uh, we're still We're still several years away from that. But I think we're going to start seeing the first... I mean, this navigate on autopilot is a, is ostensibly some you could call it level three, um, but we are really going to start seeing some full self driving stuff um, very early in the year. Now, whether everything comes about, I don't think so. I think we're still at least at least two years away from the full self driving fleet. Uh, well, not fleet, but suite of, of of features being ready. So I don't know. Any thoughts? Agreed. <laughs> Short and sweet. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's that's pretty much the story. I agree with you, Trevor. Okay. All Trevor, right. ladies and gentlemen, woo! <laughs> energy. <laughs> All right. Next question from uh, from Paul Bettinger says, uh, what are your thoughts about enhanced autopilot? I'm getting a lot of enhanced autopilot questions. Okay. So he says, what are your thoughts about uh, the new uh, enhanced autopilot with Tesla's own chip? He's talking about um, 
the autopilot computer version three that'll be coming in the spring. Um, if someone wants FSD, should one wait until the cars are delivered with it or buy it now? Uh, it would be nice for Elon to give us a hint. Well, he has given us a hint. He's told us, um, don't wait for it because the price to get the computer is inclusive of the full self-driving. So if you pay for it today or pay for it later, it doesn't matter. You're still going to get the upgrade, whether you get it as part of the car or you pay for it. So at, at, this, at, at, this, at this juncture, it doesn't matter. So if you want the computer, you got to pay for full self-driving. I just bet I had a heart attack yesterday when I looked at the price to see if, <laughs> if I wanted to buy it. And I said, oh, no, I can't afford it right now. I, if nothing else, we know that the price on that feature just keeps going up and up. So if you want it exactly like you say, Trev, buy it now. You're going to get the upgrade anyway. So Absolutely. I, yes, yes, yes. If there's one mantra we've always echoed on this show, <laughs> if you want it, get it now because it's going to change later and you're not going to be happy about it. Exactly. Yeah. Point well taken. All right. Last question of the evening comes from Tyler H. No last name given. Supercharger 3, latest information. What do you all think about that? I think, personally, if I just want to hop in here, the first indications of potential upgrades to the supercharger network are already happening in Europe with the addition of the CCS cable because Mm -hmm. CCS um, has the ability to go much higher than 125 kilowatt. That's already been demonstrated in Europe. So I think we're starting to see the first part of that. We know Model 3 charges a lot faster than the other cars. It has thicker cabling. Um, Elon did say that uh, I think you know some of the information of a supercharger should be coming in the first part of uh, 2019. So we'll find out what's going on. Um, I don't think in North America we're going to see any changes to the cables at this point. It's it, it, Remember, the, the supercharger stalls that you see are not the actual chargers. They're just the cable. That's just kind of the like the last point of entry into the vehicle. The chargers are actually in the cabinets, right? Those big white cabinets that you see behind mm-hmm. the wood fencing yeah, and stuff. Big transformers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's where they're really going to make the changes. They will pull out those those charging modules and put higher ones in, and and maybe up the uh, um, uh, the voltage on the on the cabinets and stuff. I'm not an electrician, so I'm just kind of spitballing here, but. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is that um, some of this stuff may start happening, especially if Tesla does decide to do some upgrades. I mean, let's face it. One of the reasons the Model 3 has faster charging is because the cells are different chemistry. It's a larger cell, but I don't know if larger cells really factor into this. But it has new new inverters, larger cables, um, and largely a lot of that stuff, unless you get a P100D on an S or an X, hasn't changed all that much. So... When Tesla does get around, and it's a matter of when, not if, when they get around to doing 2170 cells in the S and the X, now that could be either a retrofit or it could be part of the redesign that's rumored to be happening in a couple of years. That's when we're really going to start seeing, I think, some of the changes that are going on. Let's face it, other car manufacturers are coming out with larger batteries. Rivian has announced that their pickup truck's going to have a 180 kilowatt battery, 105, 135, and 180 kilowatt hour batteries. So Tesla seems to think that they found a happy island of stability, so to speak, in that, you know, 175, 100 kilowatt hour. But there's no reason why they can't increase. And um, if you increase it, that gives you more headroom to be able to charge faster. That's one of the things. If you have a smaller battery, it doesn't charge quite as fast because you're hitting that 80% cap a lot sooner than a bigger battery. So if they can Mm -hmm. increase that headroom and increase the voltage uh, to the battery to charge faster, you're going to get a faster charge out of the deal. So I think a lot of that stuff really comes into play. It's all kind of in the lockstep. The big unknown at this point is what's going to happen to the S and the X as far as supercharger V3. 
Yeah, and I think as more and more of the vehicles are being delivered and they come to the market, especially in areas that are don't see a lot of them right now, uh, it, it it kind of is encouraging to see if they can get it to be deployed faster, version three, that is, of the superchargers, because if you're going to have all these cars, you want them in and out as fast as possible. You know, some people are looking now if they're playing a trip. I mean, our, our friend Rafael is on a trip across to California and uh, here from Florida. And, you know, he'll, he'll make a stop and maybe they're charging for 30, 40, 50 minutes. But if you can reduce that down to 15, 20, 30 minutes, then you're able to go where you got to go faster. So it'd be it'd be great if they can get it deployed. But like you said, when they do it and how if they're going to look at certain markets before others when they're deploying it, then that's to be seen. But uh, it could be starting to happen next year. It could be 2020. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, um, that's it for questions. We didn't really get any more than that. And if we had more, the one on the show would be too long. So we'll save them for next time. We'll have another bout, uh, a round of questions uh, next week when we record. So uh, this is your opportunity, boys. Uh, let people know how they can get a hold of if they want to have some questions answered whatever offline. Eric, why don't you go first? All right. You guys can find me on Twitter at the handle ECFIX. That is E-C-F-I-X. And uh, I always welcome your questions, too. So if there's anything you're wanting to know, uh, for example, maybe you want to know why elephants can't jump. I might be able to find the answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> how about uh, how about you, Ian? Where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, at Ian Pavelko. Uh, check the show notes for the exact spelling of that. Um, on the uh, Model 3 Owners Club forum, Mad Hungarian is the handle. Um, any questions you might have specifically about wheels and tires, that's the main thing. Uh, hit me up publicly or with a private message, whatever you like. Glad to answer any questions on the subject. And lastly, anyone searching for uh, last-minute holiday gifts, may I suggest something from the Mad Hungarian Evolvewear collection? I'm wearing the Red Riding Hood hoodie. Yes. The old school logo here, the old Evolve <laughs> logo, as you can see. Whoops, there we go. I think I think everyone gets the general idea. Yeah. It's back and front thing. Yeah, there you go. You know what it is by now, I hope. So yes, if you go to teespring.com, you will find that. And um, on the case of the Evolvewear logo stuff, uh, $6 from every article gets donated to Electromobility Canada, LAVEC, Association de Véhicules Électriques de Québec, and Plug-in America. Excellent. And as usual, link will be in the video or the podcast description. So that it gives you a quick link to get to Ian's stuff. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. If you want to follow me, my uh, Twitter handle is at Model3Owners. And, uh, you know, we got the forum going at Model3OwnersClub.com. I want to say a big thank you to our, our sponsors for the show. That's uh, Evanex, Dulaban Insurance, and Fine Lab Ceramic Coatings. And I uh, want a big shout out to our Patreon sponsors. Those guys really make things happen. And uh, we'll catch you on the next video. Thanks for watching and listening wherever you happen to be. We'll talk to you next time. See you guys. Bonsoir tout le monde. Au revoir. Goodbye. Avenue Zane. <laughs>